Welcome to a Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. I'm Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello, and welcome to Missoni and Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. Thanks for joining us as we hear the stories of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad you joined us today. We're here with tips and discussion and stories of hope for all our food friends out there. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Missoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Hi, Sarah. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. <laughs> I um, was kind of secretly hoping that you would randomly show up at one of my events this weekend. <laughs> but I didn't see you, which is totally fine. Well, but I we just spent kept looking day. for you. We spent all day in the garden at our house. Mm, I figured. You stayed home, gardening, working on the house. That's awesome. I was running around like a wild person. Um, no, you were crazy busy. I was. But, you know, I I just wanted to put out there for today that... Um, I really appreciate all of the work that has gone into the organizers of the events that have gone on. There was a lot of events this weekend. And even as the city, you know, is putting being put on high risk, people were finding ways to do things really safely. And I just wanted to say that I really appreciate that. The um, We did the Portland Night Market. And, you know, you, you've been to that event before. It's, it's, crazy. it's wild and crazy. And there's lots of people. And that's super crowded. It really fun. Um, but they did a good job of this is the first time that we've done it again since the pandemic. And oh. it was very small. Um, but the, the event space is still really big. So everybody could be spaced out. They did ticketed entry for um, <laughs> shoppers. And so it was really great. They did a really nice job of making it still fun, um, but very safe and very chill. Um, but people came to support all of us local vendors. So I just wanted to put out there. Thank you to all the people that are are supporting us during this time and coming to events. And then for the people putting them on. I just wanted to thank everyone for that because I know this is a tough time. Sarah, are you um, still on your gluten-free diet? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I did it for talking about it on episode 71. Well, I did, I did it for 30 days, which is what I talked to my doctor about. So I tried mm -hmm. it for 30 days. I didn't really feel any better. Okay. Um, and nothing much changed. So, I, I, you know, I... Burritos kicked you off the bandwagon it's the burritos i miss the burritos i miss the flour tortillas you know i don't eat a lot of gluten anyways but i was doing no gluten no sugar for 30 days mm. um and i think you know everything was fine it wasn't too hard for me to do um but i i know that when people have a gluten intolerance they feel better right away or feel different or feel differences. And I really, really you didn't. didn't. Okay. Um, Good. No. So I still am, am doing the, doing the burritos, but 
but just trying to stick with a lot more vegetables. So that's Good. going Wait. really good. What is your favorite burrito in Portland? Is oh, when you make it home or is it when you go grab somewhere? I think a mix of both. I really am. I, I eat burritos from everywhere that I can. So I like all kinds Every of chance but I, Yeah, but I make them too. You know, um, I'm kind of picky about beans. So I, <laughs> I like to cook You are beans. the bean goddess. I, do I know. I you know that. I cooked uh, some baked beans using navy beans. They turned out perfectly. I shared Yay. some with the neighbors, but I ate them all myself. I love that. You're on the bean wagon now. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> because of you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love I could inspire you to cook beans from scratch. Beans a lot of people are, don't do it. I mean, beans are one of the specialty commodities that we grow here in the state of Oregon. Yeah. Especially crops. It's yeah. true. Well, that is a perfect segue to introducing our guest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're joined today in the studio with Jana Jenkins. Jana is the director of sales at Oregon Wild Rice and the co-owner of Oregon Ag. Welcome, Jana. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, we're really glad that you could be on the show. We want to um, connect our listeners to you. Yeah. So can you tell us the best way um, for them to find you and your business? Yes, the best way to find me personally is Sam the Cat 97446 on Instagram or Oregon Wild Rice on Instagram or Wild Rice on Facebook. Perfect. And we'll tell you got wild things. rice on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> What's up with that? I don't know. Someone else set it up. I'm not Facebook savvy. But still, like, that's amazing. <laughs> it wasn't snatched up yet. That's great. <laughs> What's wrong with all those wild rice growers out there? I don't know. I don't know if they're marketing themselves or what. I'm not really sure. Oh, man, that's really surprising. Good job, Oregon Wild Rice, for snatching that one up. <laughs> well, Jana, we want to know more about Oregon Wild Rice. So let's yes. start there. Can you... Um, Tell people about it, who is the owner and what your role is there, and then we'll get into the story of the rice. Sure. So um, Langdon Ag, is they're the ones that planted it, and they started about five years ago. Um, two brothers, John and Tony Langdon, out here in Harrisburg, and they're fourth-generation Oregon farmers. Their farm's about 120 years old. And they have had this, I'm not supposed to say that, they've had this land that they have been trying to grow uh, grass seed in. They're grass seed farmers. And the land is heavy clay soil, and it's hard to drain. It floods. It floods, and continuously. and um, Perfect for wild rice. Perfect for wild rice. Mm -hmm. So five years ago, they decided to start to stop fighting nature mm-hmm. and to, you know, they built two little berms and within three days from the Oregon rain, they had a pond. That's great. Do so, they have a canoe? Um, no, but we are talking about getting one. <laughs> Come on. You got to have a canoe if you're growing wild rice. Without saying. So you... You mentioned that the farm is in Harrisburg, Oregon. And where is that? Just people it don't know. It is about 20 miles south of Albany. We're in between Albany and Eugene. 
Yeah. Mid mid to lower Willamette Valley. Yes. And is that yeah. where you where you live too? It is where I live now. Yes. Yeah. I'm originally from Southern California. So the planting season is right now, maybe, or did they already plant the rice? They already, they plant the rice in, I believe, September. They cast it out in September. Oh, okay. So and, it's been there for a while. Uh-huh. And it just sits in the water for months and months and months. And in a couple of weeks, you'll see finally some little you know, little sprouts coming up on the water because it grows in about two feet of water. Mm -hmm. And then by uh, end of July, beginning of August, it'll be six feet to seven feet tall. So it just goes. Okay. So you have until July to get your canoe. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be on sale, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. Because traditionally um, folks would harvest the rice into their canoes. But yeah. I bet you don't do that because you don't have a canoe. But how do you harvest the rice? With a combine. Combine. Yeah, combine. I have no idea what a combine is. Can you tell me? <laughs> I don't know what your actor has this big round thing that <laughs> that paddles around and thrashes it probably and then yeah. pushes yeah, okay. the seeds somewhere right. and collects it. That's cool. I I was thinking of, because we just saw Kelly, our last guest, she was in Japan harvesting rice by hand, you know. Yeah, they were hand. Oh, they showed the machine too. Oh, yeah. That was kind of similar. Yeah. Similar thing. Oh, okay. That makes sense. (laughs) I don't don't know farm equipment. (laughs) So, well, I don't think you need to know it. I'm the director of sales. (laughs) <laughs> so you don't know it either really <laughs> so i think we should go do a show from the combine we would love that absolutely love that in fact we were planning on having a big i was planning on having a big rice night last end of july with the big tent and have people come out and look at the you know stand on the dikes and look at the wild rice because it's so you know, spectacular. It's seven feet tall. Yeah. People don't get to see that. And people don't know that rice grows here in Oregon. So I'm all for agricultural tourism. I think it's a great way to educate folks. And, you know, you could have the extension agents from Oregon State University's College of Ag there and just share the knowledge. We would love that. I think that's really fun, Sarah Mithonian. You um, actually have made it so I've gone to a few things like that. When yeah, you put TMK on your memory. yeah, or when you put on the um, the farm pop up dinners. Remember when we went out to yes. um, Madras, and that's where yes. all the carrot seed farming was happening. And yes. I've never seen that, and it was the most amazing thing because you just pull up and it smells like carrots, like in the air, and they're just harvesting the seeds so they let all they let these like huge fields just go to seed and it just smells like carrot seeds it's like the most amazing thing I've never I would have never seen it except for that you put on that event and I think that people really like that when they learn something new that they don't know about I didn't even know that anybody grew rice in Oregon is that something that is new to the area as far as agriculture goes well, there's a neighbor who lives outside of Brownsville, and his name's Dave Rogers, and he's the one that we got our seed from. 
originally and he was great and he does grow rice wild rice but he doesn't grow it for human consumption yeah grows it for- oh they grow up for like an- animal food or something and, well, and refuges well there was a I mean, there are different fields of it around the state. Like I know of certain folks up near Klatskanai where they throw it out. So they get ducks coming in to their water. Right. Um, And so there are, and I worked with uh, Marty Stites who's passed away, but I did a um, wild rice chip with him probably 18 years ago. So I know wild rice has been in as one of our specialty crops for some time, <clears throat> but we haven't been able to get it to any magnitude. At least I saw that you've sold over 25,000 pounds or bags of your product into yeah. retail and yeah. you're in 125 stores. It's more than that now, but yes. More. yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's been. And that's- I have to say market of choice was our first account and yeah oh love we absolutely <laughs> love market of choice market of choice is awesome they're the best and mm-hmm. one of the things about because john langdon and i the other farmer we go store to store every day that's what we do we go that's cool it, it uh, is very cool but it's it's you know hard work I met with you quite a few months ago, maybe over a year ago, and I think I connected you with some chefs too. So you have some chefs using it in the Portland market? You sure did. And you connected us to one of, well, my very favorite chef, Vitaly Paley, Paley's Place. He's one of my favorites too. He's such a great community person for us here in Portland and in Oregon. He and Kimberly are amazing. They are amazing. I wanted to just give a little background about the crops in Oregon, if I could. You don't want to do it. So the um, state of Oregon has over 250 diverse crops that they claim as specialty crops. And that's on the Oregon Department of Agriculture website. You can go on there and read all about it. Some of them them include nursery stock, hops, milk, cattle, calves, berries, pears, potatoes, eggs, onions, peppermint, wine, grapes, cherries, hay, sweet corn, um, grass seed, and hazelnuts. And then they actually list out the top commodities that are produced here. And um, one of note is the hazelnuts produced here are the second largest hazelnut crop in the world, second to Turkey, which is huge. And then the other thing is I was in this uh, meeting with the College of Agriculture, a bunch of Aggies, and we actually have over 1,200 diverse crops that are grown here in the state of Oregon. So it's not just 250. The 250 are the ones that make the majority of the money, which is around $8 billion in farm gate for the state of Oregon. And over 80% of that is sold outside of the state. So we produce it and we send it away. That's Isn't pretty, that amazing. It's pretty amazing because um, it kind of shows like how you know, diverse, not only our, our climate is, but the terrain too, because throughout the state, there's so many different little microclimates that people can grow different things. And so we end up with just so much great stuff. Exactly. It's amazing. Yeah. It's really cool. I, I mean, and I, I feel like every time I learn something new that can be grown here, you know, what I'm surprised that we don't have is Kiwi farmers, you know, we do. Do we? Yeah. Because kiwis grow so well. And I've never seen any like, at, oh, I mean, maybe, no. maybe they huge, just send them out. 
no, no, there's a huge, well, it's the mini Kiwi. I don't know about the bigger ones, but the mini Kiwis are grown right in my half hour south of Portland. There's a oh, huge, cool. huge farm of them. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, now we know kiwi, rice. I mean, we can grow anything. <laughs> make a good salad. Um, Jan, I wanted you to talk a little bit about the rice itself because it's unique. So when we say rice, I, I think people probably picture white, white rice. rice um, and, that, and this is not that. So can you explain the rice, what it looks like, what it tastes like? Sure. The rice is brown. It's dark in color. Um, darker than brown rice, but it's not black, like black rice. Um, it's nutty. Sarah has some. It's nutty. Um, it has a earthy smell and it just is a different palette. And Sarah can explain million dollar palette can explain. (laughs) (laughs) She's better than, you know, better to talk about that than I, Um, but it is just, uh, like I said, nutty and earthy and it just tastes good. And it's the best rice I've ever had. I think it has a really good bite too. So when you eat it, you feel like you're really eating something healthy. And in fact, wild rice is in the family of oats. You didn't know that. And so um, I noticed on Oregon Wild Rice's website that they have a recipe for a breakfast cereal, um, which is a cooked cereal. And I think it had some nuts and some fruit added into it. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Um, Wild Rice is very, um, uh, you can do a lot with it. It's almost like tofu. You can add anything to it and it just tastes delicious. I've added um, with mine personally, I've added some hot sauce. You may have heard of that. <laughs> I, like, I like my wild rice with salsa. And so I heard if you give Sarah Marshall some of your your product, you might get on one of her cooking shows. <laughs> well, you know, Janet sent, <laughs> sent me some rice and I am going to use it on one of my shows. I, I've been experimenting with it. And the thing that I think is really cool and, and I don't, I, I guess I hadn't heard this term before as far as rice goes, but on your instructions, you talk about the rice blooming. And so when I cook rice, usually I think more of it is like, um, absorbing and, um, and, this is really different. It does something different. So it feels yeah, different. And it splits open and then you yeah. see the center actually comes out. Yeah. To, yeah. Cool. And it makes a really cool texture, which I thought was really neat. And the flavor is really good. So I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, th- there's so many things I feel like you can do with it. And I'm still deciding what I'm going to do with it because I want to try, I always try to do something like a little unique, you know, like I don't just want to like cook it and dump some sauce on it. I want to teach people how to do something cool. So I've been experimenting with it and it's really fun. And so, thanks for, thanks for sending it to me. So yeah. I grew up in Minnesota, if you guys don't know that. And some of the interesting things that I've seen in Minnesota is people put it in summer sausage. Mm. <laughs> they have it in there. Like you can go to the grocery store and buy a summer sausage that has wild rice in it. That's crazy. I'm not kidding you. And then they make this soup there that has like a creamy egg and lemon sort of flavor to it. So you might try that. And then the other thing is the way that we ate it all the time was, of course, with sauteed mushrooms and bacon and butter, which is 
the best that, uh, in my opinion that sounds fun yeah <laughs> so good um we're gonna take a quick break ladies and we'll come back and talk more about all of these things <laughs> Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Okay, we're back. I want to know how you make wild rice risotto. Can you tell us, Jana? I have no idea. It's on your website. <laughs> and then you do all those recipes. <laughs> I don't cook. I don't have time to cook. <laughs> She's busy selling rice. She doesn't have time. Yeah. Oh, no. No, don't tell me this. Who's making know. the recipes then? Because the photos are really nice. Um, the photos are nice. The I know we have um, Tiffany Haugen. She makes a lot of our recipes. Oh, nice. So you have a specialist, like a, a special spe- kitchen chef kind of person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Jana, how did you get involved in Oregon Wild Rice? Uh, I started working for John Langdon in 2017 hmm. and doing something else. And um, as the wild rice got bigger and bigger as far as acreages and because we had, you know, it has to grow. It's still farming. It has to grow. Um, And then it grew to about 140 acres. And we also learned how to process it, which is a whole other learning curve for farmers. Yeah. Um, Anyway, in January of 2020, we went to Market of Choice and said, hey, what do you guys think? This is our packaging. And, you know, what do we do? And... Uh, John Boyle at Market of Choice was fantastic and he was excited and he said, this is great. Didn't know they grew rice here. Um, We're going to send it to OSU Food Innovations for testing. Great. And I think John connected you, Sarah, to the Langdons at that point. And then the pandemic hit. And uh, John Boyle called up in March and said, hey, do you guys still have that rice? There's a shortage. There's a yeah. shortage. Bring yeah. it. Bring it. And we'll slap a sticker on it. Don't worry about it. We we have no rice. So um, at that point, that's when I started working for the farm. Up until nice. that point, I hadn't. So, But come we're... on, you have an MBA. I read up on you. Um, <laughs> can't hide your smartness from us. <laughs> I don't cook. I'm sorry, Sarah. <laughs> That's a master's of business administration. You can't fool me. (laughs) Yes, I do have my um, master's in business administration. Yeah. And so how do you use that? Because we have folks that listen to our show and they're like, oh, I wish I could work in the food industry. How can I apply my knowledge that I already have to become a food person? Right. And I understand um, we meet with a lot of food producers and that is consistently the one thing they say they lack or that is where their fear is in the, the bookkeeping and all that kind of thing. And a lot of producers don't know how much, how much it costs to produce their, their product. So do you help 
that with that part of the business? Yes. Can I, you tell us about that? What do you what do you do? Like how uh, do you do that? Well, um, I help set the price. I do all of the bookkeeping. Well, not all, but a lot of the bookkeeping. Um, we have, of course, professionals that do that, but I help a lot with the day-to-day and um, the distribution of the ordering. Person. So one of the guys says that he's the distribution guy, John, and Tony says he's production. Yes. So everybody kind of has their area of expertise. And yes. then they, they brought you into the middle of it because you're more of the business side. Yes, John. And so I'm guessing that you kind of do a lot of logistics and coordination of what needs to be done. Is that true? Yes, that is true. Tony, I like to not to put too fine a point on it, but Tony's the farmer um, and John is the salesman. And you need when you have a product like wild rice, you need someone to farm it and you need someone to go sell it. And a lot of times it's one producer and they can't do that. They can't, they can't um, walk into a store and tell the store manager, you know, Hey, we're great. And we have a great product and you need to have this on your shelf. I know it's always hard for the one making it to sell it. That's true with artists too. And I know Sarah's talked about how she really appreciates her husband, Dirk, and how he really sells for her. And she says that he even interlopes on her Instagram account. Yeah, he. (laughs) I don't even, that's never me. I mean, that's always Dirk. And everyone thinks it's me and he talks like it's me. Like, he'll be like, I'm going to be at this thing. And people come and they're like, oh, I saw you said you were going to be here. And I was like, I, <laughs> Dirk said I was going to be here. <laughs> it's just yeah. easier, you know, because yeah. it's like sometimes if you're too involved in it or I mean, even for the farmers too, if you grow it, like I, I know a lot of my farm neighbors will be like that. I'll be like, you have the best potatoes I've ever had in my life. And they're just like, mm, you know, like right. you tell everybody I have best the best potatoes. I'm not going to tell everybody. <laughs> right. It's too hard to tell it is, people. It is very hard. And one of the things that John and I have done is when we walk into stores and they'll ask, you know, we tell them about the wild rice and then they would ask, well, what else do you sell? And we're like, nothing. We let's do a peel off. I'll help you. (laughs) I would love that. Sarah. Okay. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) You could do a spicy one because Sarah has a spicy (laughs) Yeah, I do. This is where ideas are born. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to our incubator. It's not hard to do a spice blend for pilaf. And maybe you could have like a novel blend of other rices. And I wanted to know, have you thought about growing other rices since you have this unique flooding field? Um, Like brown rice might grow well. There is talk but I'm not sure. I'm not the farmer. You're not the farmer. (laughs) You just sell what they give you, right? (laughs) I mean, I ordered some rice out of California that, you know, came directly from the farmer. It's white rice. You don't grow white rice. So um, it's fantastic to be honest. Yeah. So that, but it costs the same as yours. Mm -hmm. It's just like Jasmine rice or something, but it was really good. 
Good. So I'm glad to hear. I that. think having other rices would be great. I do too. I do too. Okay, well, good. Then we'll just get on that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get on that making train. Um, I, I, so when I introduced you, I mentioned that you're the co-owner of Oregon Ag. Can, yes. can Let's tell people about that. Okay, so Oregon Ag, because John and I are out in stores and meeting people, we've had people say, oh, you know who you should talk to? You should talk to, you know, this one, this one, or this one and distribute their products. So, I couldn't find it online. I was trying to find Oregon Egg and a lot of other stuff popped up. Yeah, we don't have a website yet. It just, I just incorporated the business January 1st. Okay. I don't know if that website's going to be available. We might have to think up a new name for it. It's not. You <laughs> <laughs> know that. It's not. Because <laughs> Oregon Egg, I mean... Oregon Department of Agriculture uses that all the time. Oregon AG Agriculture. So we'll have to think up a new name <laughs> for you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, tell us about what it, what products it is that you're distributing because it makes a lot of sense. So it, I, I always say this to like my hot sauce group, like all of us are driving to all the same places all the time. Sometimes I'm I'm literally following behind you know, my friends' delivery vans, going to the same stores throughout town. We have the same delivery days. Um, so it does make sense for people to join forces or to for one company if they have the, you know, the vehicles and things like that to distribute other people's products. So is that kind of what your what your goal is? Yes. And when we would go up to, because being down here in the Eugene, you know, Albany area, we would go up to McMinnville or Monmouth. And we'd say, well, what do you, what do you need to the independent store owners? And they'd say, oh, pickles. We can't get good pickles here. Oh, okay. Well, we know someone who makes pickles in no tie. So we went to her, Holly Kurzal. Kurzal's kicking pickles. They're amazing. And she's the star, one of the stars at the farmer's market in Eugene. And so we went to her house, and, which is beautiful. Her husband's a builder. And we said, um, do you, you know, do you have distribution in Portland? And she said, well, no, I'm, you know, married and I've got three kids and I'm making pickles. And <laughs> said, well, we're, she's busy. And so we said, well, we're going tomorrow so we can take some pickles and distribute them up there. Okay. And then we Someone told us to go to um, Annie Fisher. Annie Fisher makes wildfire elixir. So we met with Annie Fisher and same thing. Do you have distribution in Portland? No, I'm in market of choice in Portland. And every, all of these people are in market of choice, which is amazing. Market of choice is who they say they are. Absolutely. Um, anyway. So we distribute to Portland. And so we have Wildfire Elixir. We have Kurzal's Kick and Pickles. We have Humble Bee Honey, which is amazing. Erica and Ronnie Ellis, they're great. Um, and we're working with a woman that makes some soap. We're not quite there yet, but almost. And um, we're looking for, uh, the, oh gosh, we have um, Premium Growers, Oregon Hazelnuts, 
Um, and any beans? No beans, but we do know where you can get some beans. Yeah. So maybe some more commodities, especially crop items that are dry goods. I think those are things that people are looking for these days. And it's hard to find the local um, suppliers. Yes. I also am writing these people down because some of them would probably be good guests for future shows. Yeah, <laughs> good idea. I've spoken to all of them about being on your show because they're all female producers. Yeah, that's since so awesome. It's, since you're putting rice in bags, can you put other foods in bags? Um, we could, but one of our uh, our vendors, um, premium growers, they do co-packing. Oh, Mm-hmm. They have a beautiful facility in Jervis. And what what do they do there? Um, well, right now they're um, Oregon hazelnuts. And uh, Sarah Marshall, I may have sent you some. You did send me some. And I opened the spicy barbecue ones and ate them in like one day and or like, you know, one sitting. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh, this is like so delicious but i really need them in a single serve pack because i like ate the whole thing and then i was like i'm gonna eat another one and i was like oh you're really not supposed to eat this many hazelnuts in one day i don't think why why can't you eat that many well because it had the serving sizes on it you know and so it's it has the like suggested serving which really it's just a lot federal government know about how much (laughs) hazelnuts we should eat well, it's you know, just a one ounce serving, probably. Yeah. Well, they were delicious. I ate the whole thing. So who, who knows? Maybe they're wrong. <laughs> but they were really good. I'd never had them before. So thanks for sending them my way. And now I feel like now that you sent them to me, now I see them all over in stores. Like they had them at the little um, fruit stand that's over by my house. Which and it's we- called... Um, it used to be called very good produce, but I think I think now the um, a different farm ended up taking it over. It's like right by Reed College. It's a little farm stand. I don't know. But they had them there, and I was surprised because I go there all the time, and I had never seen them before. And then after you sent them to me, I'm like, oh great! Now I know where to get them. Perfect. <laughs> good. Um, I wanted to talk a bit, a little bit about um, that the rice has protein in it. Yes, it's very high in protein. And and usually rice doesn't have protein, right? If it's like white rice, it doesn't have protein. So um, is there a reason why this rice has protein? Um, just, it's just that way. Yeah, I can well, well, imagine. It ha- because it has the um, shell and everything on it. And I think rice does have some protein. Does it? I, yeah, I wasn't well, sure. Yeah. Actually, just, most plants do have protein. We don't think yeah. of them as a protein yeah. source, but you people can survive. The one thing that's great about rice is if you combine it with beans, it is a complete amino acid profile. Yeah. So it would be good if you did have beans to sell along with this rice, because essentially you would have that complete amino acid profile, which is what a lot of people that are eating a vegetarian diet are looking for. Okay. Sarah, I'm super happy that you love the flavor of premium growers hazelnuts because guess what what we worked on that at the food innovation center i I figured you did (laughs) it was really good that was the so i tried just the regular ones that were salt and then i tried the spicy barbecue one yeah brent lafolette actually he and his family have been 
um, farmers in the Willamette Valley for a really long time. And I met him one of my very first years I was at the Food Innovation Center. He was working on a, a berry sauce to sell to into the industry. So it was pretty cool to meet him then. And I went and worked with his mom on the farm and learned how to juice berries in her harm in her kitchen. So well, I'm not surprised that you worked on that, Sarah, because I'm usually yeah. pretty picky about things that have seasoning or or have a flavor, you know, like yeah. I don't really buy a lot of stuff because I don't really like it a lot of times because it's just like old dry you know, spices that aren't very good, but they're, these were really good. So yeah, they're premium. Not surprised you had your hands in that one, girl. Yeah. (laughs) It was a a few years ago, but we did help them get started. So that's great. Yeah. Super good. Great guys. Great product too. So we, um, when you go out and you distribute products to other people, let's say there's somebody in your area that wants to join your delivery system, how would they do that? How would they join forces with you? Um, Call me. Call me. We, yeah, we love to get phone calls like that. We've had that happen, which is very nice. It's very nice. We like to get the word out that, you know, we're local looking for premium products. Um, Do you charge a fee? For what? For distributing other people's um, items? No, we do not. Okay, so if people want to, are interested, they should contact you directly. Do they contact you um, at Oregon Wild Rice? Info at OregonRice.com. Perfect. Okay, so if people are interested in um, joining the distribution chain with you, they can email you at info at OregonRice.com. Perfect. Okay, so we like to encourage people to buy from you directly. So we know that they can order rice off your website. Yes. Correct. And they can find it at Market of Choice. Yes. And anywhere else that we can send people. Yes, absolutely. Um, New Seasons Market, um, Chuck's Produce in Washington. Um, Gosh, where else? McKay's Markets in on the coast I'm trying to think of other chains we've got a bunch of independence stores um can people order online yes they can absolutely order online are you on amazon or do they just go to your website we are not on amazon not, not yet. yet so just your website and do you do any farmers markets because that's something i don't see at the farmers market is rice Um, we did farmer's holiday market in December and, uh, I tried to get us into the farmer's market here in Eugene, but they were full. Um, I know. I think it's, it's tough for new businesses during the, um, pandemic because the, you know, last year they had to really limit who was at the farmer's markets. And I'm not sure if it's the same in your area, but I'm guessing I'm, I'm really just speaking about Portland farmer's markets. Cause that's, that's where I am. But, um, they, you know, they had to limit the amount of vendors so they could do the right amount of spacing in between booths and have a certain amount of people that were there every week because then they would know how many customers they could let in. So I, I think that probably will change, you know, hopefully at some point in time and you guys could get into it because I do think it would be a perfect product for the farmer's market. And then you can team up with farmers for, you know, making delicious all organ based meals, which would be really cool. 
You know where you know who you have to contact for the beans. There's a company down in Southern Oregon called Inland Empire Foods. Okay. And they instantize beans. So they have like instant lentils, instant this and that, um, pinto beans, black beans, all that stuff. So you could put it in your rice pilaf idea. Ooh. I so know you would cool. have a complete protein. Like people could have it as their main dish, not just the side dish. Ooh. And so you could um, put a thing for rice and bean bowls. And you could serve it with fresh avocado, some tomatoes, cilantro, some chopped onions, some hot yeah. sauce. I think that's what people are really looking for now, too. I mean, of course, they're looking for rice. Um, I think it's amazingly lucky for you you guys that there was a rice shortage right at the time you were going <laughs> to bring it to timing. market. Because, um, you know, it's, of course, it's never great to have food shortages, but for you in this one moment, it was because you got into all these places, which is uh, amazing. That's one of the important things about starting a new entrepreneurial effort, right place, right time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Literally in market of choice, we were like 15 bags wide. I mean, how else would we ever have, what other point in time would we have gotten that? Yeah. It would have just been one bag on the shelf. I think, I mean, things get lost, especially with, you know, bagged food. And, and sometimes, um, you know, people think of it as, oh, it's just rice. But I think that you got, because you got to be featured, people could really check it out and realize that it's not, you know, it's, it's much different than like traditional rice. And it's really cool. When I first was cooking it, I thought it was going to be like, whenever I've cooked like a dark color, like a black or a red rice, you have to cook it a really long time and it's really hard. And I was kind of expecting that. And then I was so surprised because I was like, no, this is actually way quicker and way easier. And I would be a lot more willing to make this because sometimes the things I have to like cook over an hour, I'm like, "Mm, I really have to do that on a day where I'm like in the kitchen all day doing something. But this is, this is much quicker and easier. So it'll, it's probably a little bit of a teaching curve, teaching people that, but, um, but I think it's really wonderful. Well, the only people from what we found, the only people that know much about wild rice are 98% of them are from Minnesota (laughs) and the other 2% are chefs. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Or they eat Uncle Ben's pilaf. Yes. Or they, there's another pilaf from another group that's always sold out, by the way, at the grocery store in the little green box. It has wild rice in it. Okay. I'll look for it. My husband calls it special rice. (laughs) (laughs) It's his favorite. Jenna, do you have any advice for um, brand new businesses or people that are aspiring to go into a food business? Do it. That's my advice. Oh, that's good advice. Yeah, do it. Don't, you can sit and think about how it's not going to work, but just absolutely do it. You'll never know. And I mean, what are you going to lose? Yeah. Well, there's always a 50-50 chance. Like people say yes or no, right? Right. And the, the stuff that you're afraid of, you're building it up in your, in your own mind. It's not really that scary. So follow your gut. Do it. That's good advice. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's great advice. I think that, um, 
you know, we see it sometimes where I'm sure Sarah Missoni sees it a lot. I know she does. <laughs> I feel it. <laughs> when, me? I feel yeah, it. I when people, feel it. I feel people it. like stand in their own way sometimes and you just want to, you know, I feel like constantly I am people's like hype person where I'm like, you can do it. Just come on. <laughs> because, because I think people just naturally come up with reasons for why they can't do it. And then that'll keep them stuck and not, and not following their dream or starting something or even just taking a risk for years. Sometimes, you know, I'll have people reach out to me just to ask me questions about starting whatever kind of business. If it's usually people are contacting me about sauce businesses, but not always, it'll be other things. Um, but it, I do. I, I think that's great advice to give people is just to try it because you really, you're not putting that much at, at risk, you know, to try if you're starting small, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and I recommend every, everyone use science, technology, engineering, and math, STEM. Yeah. Because if you don't know those things, you can find other folks that'll help you. And so if you have the information behind you, do the math, like make sure you're selling it for the right amount. Mm -hmm. So it's um, sustainable. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and I think doing things safely is always like a, a big part of it. And, but yep. that's why, I mean, I wouldn't have met Sarah if I hadn't followed through all of those systems. And, um, you know, so I always kind of send people, a lot of our guests have gone through the Food Innovation Center, even though that's not a requirement, but, no. but I'm glad that, you know, when people don't know something or they have a question, there's so many good resources that we have here in Oregon and people that can help. So I always try to encourage people to do that as well. Right. If you're the producer, you don't necessarily have to know how to do the bookkeeping and all the other things that you think you have to know. There are other people out there who that is what they do. Yeah. yeah. And there are a lot of on online tools like QuickBooks and stuff like that, where you just go in and enter data and it sort of helps you through it. So it's not really too bad. Right. Yeah. All right, ladies. Well, it's the time that I always like the least. I have to tell us it's time to go. So, <laughs> Jana, we're so glad that you could join us and be on the show and tell us about Oregon Wild Race. And I really hope people try your product and check it out because I think it's a really cool, unique thing that's coming out of Oregon. I'm going to make some for dinner. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we record Sony and Marshall live every week. You can listen on iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can send us a message at our Sony and Marshall Instagram, and we will be back next week. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye. Bye for now. Bye. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of Meaningful Marketplace. As a family-owned organ grocer for 42 years, Market of Choice strives to inspire, mentor, and assist a diverse group of local producers and foster equity in our communities. With 11 stores in Oregon, Market of Choice supports these craft makers, as well as farmers, fisherfolk, and ranchers by bringing more than 7,000 local products to market. Together, we form a sustainable, community-based food system that serves our great state. To learn more, go to marketofchoice.com. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.